Welcome, everyone, to BAMS Radio here on this Wednesday night as uh, we are back together again, the University of Alabama, with their 13th straight win over the Tennessee Volunteers. It wasn't pretty, but they got a 35-13 to win inside Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, on uh, Saturday night as they debuted the LED lights. It was an unbelievable show. I was there in Bryant-Denny and uh, really enjoyed the atmosphere. And I'm with my two cohorts, as always, the wizard behind the curtain, Thomas Watts. He does an outstanding job uh, producing this show from the port city of Mobile and also giving his thoughts and opinions on Alabama football. And as always, uh, 1992 national champion, uh, William Redfish Barger, who was a member of the Tide from 89 to 1993. Uh, Welcome back, guys. William, it's good to be with you. Uh, I guess... There's always some unpredictability in recruiting. This time, Alabama on the negative side of it. Eric Gilbert, tight end from Marietta, Georgia, considered the number one uh, player at his position in the country. Shocks a lot of people. I mean, I've seen a lot of curveballs in recruiting. This is probably the biggest I've ever seen. Everyone had him, uh, you know, uh, going to the University of Alabama and choosing Bama, uh, even though he was coming off a visit to Georgia, going into this announcement. He shocks everyone, and he chooses the Bayou Bengals of LSU. Well, I mean, it's been so long now. I think the the I mean, do you, do you think this is a bigger shock to Alabama fans than the flip of TJ Yeldon was to Auburn fans? Probably. I, I think I only reason is I, I think it's probably just slightly bigger because I think when you look at it, I, if you if you were paying attention, and at least if you're from a Bama perspective, a lot of people thought that that recruitment wasn't over with TJ Yeldon. Uh, I had a lot of people telling me things and and whispering things. The thing about this with LSU is I think the only people that knew about Eric Gilbert going to uh, picking the Bayou Bengals today was the people in his inner circle, and that doesn't include his mother, who uh, basically told someone on site at the College Football Hall of Fame that she thought it was going to be Alabama. I think only those very close to Eric and probably, you know, uh, in his circle of of people that uh, he trusts whether it be friends, uh, maybe a, a you know a seven-on-seven coach, or or some uh, some close people to him in his in his quote-unquote camp, were the only one that knew this, William. At least that's the early inclination. We may find out more late later, but certainly uh, it seemed to be being it was being reported by BamaOnline.com that the mother did tell someone on site. I was figuring it was Rusty Mansell. He was there for 24/7 Sports. He of course covers recruiting for them, especially from a Georgia perspective, in-state in and for the Bulldogs. Uh, a lot of people thought it would be Alabama or Georgia, but th- this came out of nowhere, and it sounds like uh, some last-second chicanery by LSU, but got to give them credit. They got a guy that uh, could, could be dynamic in their offense if it's more than just a one-year wonder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I've got to admit, I mean, I, you know, for, for the longest time, all, the only three teams you ever heard about in regards to him were Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. And, uh, you know, I know the Alabama staff felt very good about, you know, their position um, with him, you know, going into his official visit last weekend to Georgia. And when you didn't see, a, you know, a lot of smoke starting to leak out of Athens, I, I think probably, you know, that's one of the main reasons why. Um, Alabama fans felt really good. It looked like this was going to be a, you know, a win for the good guys. But, you know, man, you're, you're not going to get them all. There's stuff that happens like this every year with different players. And uh, I, I think the staff did a great job on, on selling him, um, 
you know, to be the next Irv Smith. You know, they've certainly got a, a nice stable of quarterbacks um, lined up for the coming years that would have been, you know, a, a, there for his careers, you know, certainly, um, you know, at least, you know, as we sit here today, I mean, certainly, you know, at least, you know, Talia Tungo-Lavoa and Bryce Young and, and the May kid from uh, North Carolina. So, um, you know, it happens. I mean, you know, it's time to move on and go find the next one. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it is still just the end of October. Um, you know, maybe something will change there. You know, kids change their minds all the time. But, um, you know, it certainly did come out of left field, you know, from, from two standpoints, A, him not choosing Alabama, and probably even more so him choosing LSU. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, it, it is uh, fortunate for Alabama that this wasn't in January because Alabama had already spent a lot of time and effort recruiting him. Uh, there was even rumors he might come back to visit uh, this weekend for Arkansas and then, uh, of course, be back for LSU. Uh, you know, but he's already used his official visit in the summer. Uh, but, uh, again, this came out of left field there. Uh, I will say, uh, according to one of uh, one of the best sources I talked to, uh, you know, Alabama did have an inkling that something might not be right last night. Uh, they kind of felt like, uh, you know, that, that it kind of it felt unsettled. Uh, he was because uh, Eric Gilbert was being coy with the coaching staff. Uh, then they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bryce Young call, uh, you know, uh, the uh, called a young man to, to check in with him. And all he told Bryce was that everything was positive. So there you go. Uh, and uh, and he wouldn't give him a definitive answer. So that was probably the first sign that something was amiss, uh, that he was going to go to LSU. But uh, you make a great point, William. Alabama has plenty of time. If this had been in January, it would have really screwed Alabama over because there's going to be so many kids that sign early. I believe Eric is going to be an early enrollee, so he'll be uh, going uh, to LSU. Uh, so Alabama's got a chance to still add another tight end or two. And the beautiful thing is, and this is why I'm not, I mean, certainly it's, uh, you know, uh, it's disturbing, but uh, if I were an Alabama fan, I wouldn't be too upset. There's a couple of kids out there they would more than fill this role. They've already got Caden Clark committed and locked in from Ohio, but there's two others. Jeremiah Pegues, a jumbo athlete from Oxford, Mississippi, who Auburn has been really after hard. But I, I've heard Nick Saban has fallen in love with this kid like he did Christian Harris a year ago. He projects uh, as either a tight end or probably a defensive end, maybe a D tackle, depending on how much weight he put on, because he's already in the 250s. But I definitely have heard that uh, tight end could be a position where it could be in his future. Uh, and then they've got a kid that I've been standing on the table for, Deep Beckwith at Florence High School here near me in Huntsville. And he is another Irv Smith to me. He is an absolutely hard-nosed kid who I think can play all day. He just has only played two years of football overall and is kind of still raw. But I think Alabama's got plenty of time to lock up a couple of kids and another wide receiver. So, if I'm out an Alabama fan, you don't want to panic over this. It's certainly upsetting, uh, but it just gives you more incentive and Alabama staff more incentive to bust LSU's ass in another couple of weeks. But first, they've got to go roast some hogs for the 13th straight year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup. The um, not that I anticipate it being a problem, but. 
you know, there's a lot of angst out there about Max, Mac Jones's lackluster performance versus Tennessee Saturday night, which I don't understand. I mean, there's a huge difference in coming off cold off the bench, especially when you don't anticipate having to be inserted into the game in the start, you know, in the second quarter, um, you know, versus taking all the reps with the first team offense, um, you know, throughout the whole week of practice. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, the, the reaction, um, I, I myself wasn't real pleased with the performance in that game. Um, you know, certainly having Tua go down contributed heavily to it, but, um, saw, saw, saw quite a few things that, you know, lead me to believe if Tennessee had had a, a competent quarterback that could deliver a halfway accurate pass, that that would have been a much closer game, especially after Tua went out and, and the scoring subsided for a you know, long period of time. Um, you know, I think that probably would have been a much closer game than people realize, but, you know, that's just me. Um, you know, I don't know if y'all want to review Tennessee or move on to Arkansas. It doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I really think – uh, that uh, that Zach Evans, just to, to finish the thought on recruiting, I know he came in this weekend, William, uh, to, and, he, and basically called Alabama's coaching staff uh, to ask to come to visit. Uh, I, I, I don't think Alabama's going to make a move on him. He got suspended and recently reinstated uh, after, you know, trying to almost physically assault his offensive coordinator when they laid an egg on national television against Katy, Texas. Personally, I, I just don't think uh, that he's, uh, you know, worth the time. I think probably he'll end up at LSU would be my guess uh, in the end because I think Georgia has kind of moved on from him as well because of the baggage. Uh, but, but, I mean, I'm going to be really interested uh, to see, you know, what Alabama does at running back because I, I'm hearing today – that they're going to, they still want to bring Jason McClellan in on an unofficial visit, or excuse me, an, I think it's probably going to be an official uh, for the LSU game. He's of course a longtime commitment to Oklahoma, and so, but he's a someone from Alito, Texas. He played with Scooby Carter in high school uh, that they really think uh, can play, and I, I'm I'm excited to, to see you know what happens with that visit. And I've and I don't know if you've watched the film yet, William. I, I certainly. I uh, have not sent it to you, but I know you people send you film all the time. Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech commitment, uh, running back from Dalton, Georgia, plays a, against 5A competition. He came to visit this weekend. He was offered. I think they've got him on hold because of Jace McClellan. Uh, but if they get one of those two kids at running back to go with Kyle Edwards, uh, who had another big game in a loss this weekend from Desterhan, Louisiana, and then uh, I've already seen – we already talked about Roy Dell Williams last week, and they beat McAdory uh, last week. I think they've still got a chance to sign a really good running backs class. Yeah, and I haven't seen the, the Scooby Carter's teammate. I haven't seen any film on him, but I, I really like the kid that was committed to Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I'll have to watch the, the kid from Texas' film and see how he compares. But I, I didn't realize until you said it um, – that that's what uh, Evans had been suspended for was, was getting into a fight with one of his coaches. I mean, that kind of piggybacks to me off of uh, all the controversy with all the, the liberal media jumping down Pruitt's throat for hooking his finger around his quarterback's face mask. I mean, hell, I got into fights with coaches at Alabama. I didn't realize that was a suspendable offense. Yeah. Um, I'm, back, I'm, back when I was back, back in my day. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, I, I was uh, going to say, go ahead and comment on that because I, I commented on my radio show that I thought it was ridiculous. All Pruitt was doing was trying to get the kid's attention, and it's obvious that the kid went rogue and didn't run the play the way he was coached. I didn't mind it at all. You, your thoughts on that, and you know Jeremy Pruitt very well. I mean, you guys uh, played during the same era at Alabama. You know, to me, you, y'all have never heard me complain about the referees on this show. You're never going to hear me bitch about Vern Lundquist. I personally think Gary Danielson's very good at what he does. Don't care if he's not complimentary enough to, to Alabama. Um, you know, the guy played in the NFL for, for double-digit seasons. That's good enough for me. Um, but what what really, you know, just, just chapped my ass was a guy like Brian Greasy, who played the game at a high level, um, you know, taking the stance that he did um, in, in regards to what happened there on the sideline between a head coach and his quarterback. I mean, uh, you know, just absolutely unbelievable to me. You know, if that had been Holly Rowe um, or, 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 you know, some, some you know, guy doing the, the play-by-play that never played the game, you know, you know, I'd, I'd move on, but I'm, I'm still pissed off about it. Um, I, I've got no idea what Jeremy did was not out of line. Um, you know, it, it just absolutely baffles my imagination that a guy that's been there and done that before. Look, I, I can promise you when, when he was at the University of Michigan, he got his face mask twisted, probably hmm. got, a, you know, got, probably got kicked in the ass by a coach's foot. Uh, probably got snatched up by his jersey. I mean, that, that's just, you know, look, that, if you want to play a physical game like football, um, that just comes with the territory. And, um, you know, maybe that's why, um, you know, the, the powers to be at the NCAA are, are trying to, uh, you know, soften the game. And, and uh, like I think we touched on this last week, I had no idea that it was now a personal foul for a wide receiver to block a defensive back that wasn't looking at him. You know, they've come up with some cockamamie personal, you know, penalty for that now. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of like Jimmy Johnson. Um, I always kind of revert back to this. One of the – probably my favorite, you know, football coach of all time at the college and pro level, somebody that did both. But but I'll never forget 10 years ago when, you know, he was still on NFL Today or whatever it's called. Um, You know, they started kind of giving him the business about why he wasn't pursuing – you know, more NFL jobs. And he, he finally just said, I'll tell you why. He said the day that the NFL eliminated the fear factor for a wide receiver, because, you know, Jimmy Johnson's an old you know, defensive coordinator. Um, but he said the day that the NFL eliminated the fear factor that used to be in play for a wide receiver to run a crossing route across the middle and not have to check to see where the safety was, because he knew if the ball was high, if he left his feet, if there was a chance he was going to get hit right in his ear, um, I, I lost interest in being a, a head coach in this business anymore. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at in the whole thing. I mean, it's just, yeah, the the, the hit uh, on uh, Judy Saturday night, for sure, that was a cheap shot. It was targeting. It's a version of targeting that I agree with. Uh, you know, m- much more dangerous and um flagrant than what you know christian barmore got hit with a couple weeks ago so um but no i I think you know anybody that's got a problem um with with what happened to jeremy pruitt you know sign your kids up for soccer keep them off the damn football field because they're not wanted 
Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, William, I wanted to, would you? I wanted you to delve uh, in the last few minutes you're with us. Delve into what you what you didn't like that you saw in the Tennessee game, and what you're kind of looking ahead toward with Arkansas coming up and Mac Jones now at quarterback. You know, I, I think first of all, you know, I, I thought that uh, you know Jeremy had his team, albeit a not not a very good one. Um, you know, it's it's obvious. You know, I, I think he's in the midst of trying to weed out the bad seeds in that program in year two. You know, it's obvious. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the football, you know, he's he's at a, a you know major talent disadvantage. I, I think they've got some very good wide receivers. Uh, probably the best group of wide receivers that I've seen. You know, not named Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Um, all season long, those guys um, are going to play pro football for quite some time. But um, you know, he's he's you know in the midst of a rebuilding of a program that's been down for years. And uh, you know, I thought his team showed up to play. They were physical. Um, you know, they they tried to uh, um, you know play play a little aggressive and rough at times. And I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I just. I still have questions about, you know, what's going on on the defensive side of the football. There just doesn't seem to be, um, you know, an identity, um, you know, in a lot of different places. You know, I, I love Shane Lee. Um, you know, I love the way he plays the game, but, you know, it's it's becoming obvious that he's a in-the-box linebacker. He's, he's very limited with change of direction skills. And, you know, he's being asked to do some things out there on the field that he's really just not physically able to do and, and probably won't ever be. Um, you know, I think the Harris kid, um, by year two, once the game slows down for him and he, he can learn how to play fast and be a little bit more consistent, I got a chance, I think he's got a chance to be as good as he wants to be. Um, you know, there's still no consistent pass rush. I know, you know, people that listen to this podcast are probably sick of me and Thomas bitching about it. But, you know, outside of Terrell Lewis, you know, there's not a consistent pass rush. Um, just just not real impressed, you know, with, with some of the stuff that I've seen. And, you know, and I get it. You know, there's fre- true freshmen out there, but, you know, they're not babies anymore. They're halfway through, um, you know, their first season. Um, you know, there was wide receivers running wide open at times, and they just don't have, didn't have a quarterback to get them to the ball. Um you know, on the other side of the, the, the ball, um, I've, I've continued to be impressed with what I'm seeing out of the offensive line. Uh, hands down, this is two weeks in a row, they've put the best starting five out there. Um, you know, there's some really, really nice things um, on film. If you want to go back and watch what 65 and 74 um, we're doing in, in the running game as far as run blocking, um, you know, who knows what the, the point output could have been. Um, you know, I had to and not gotten hurt. Um, you know, I thought Mac Jones did, you know, look kind of out of sorts and, and uh, f- you know, frazzled at times. Um, I think the, the pressure um, fr- from the pa- opposing pass rush, some of those blitzes, um, you know, got to him. But, uh, you know, I thought Harris and Robinson had uh, enough, you know, two weeks in a row of really nice games. Um, you know, I'm, I'm tired of bragging on the wide receivers. I've run out of superlatives to, to toss to toss on them, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, to me, the, the thing that just 
outside of Brian Greasy's comments about about what Jeremy did, I mean, the thing that just absolutely sent me into orbit was the Alabama coaching staff trotting a guy out there with a hip flexor injury and asking him to punt a football. Um, and, and somebody scratching their head trying to figure out how he re-aggravated it. You know, there, there was no need for him to have to punt uh, versus Tennessee, um, especially when – there's a guy that I've never even heard of before that they brought out to replace him with that did a damn good job himself. So, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on, on what I saw and, and uh, you know, like I guess, you know, closing the chapter on the 2019 third Saturday in October. Well, and William, I will say this. I, I, I thought that, that, that Mac did struggle a little bit, but I didn't think he got a lot of help at times. I thought, when he first came in, he was in pretty decent rhythm. And you know yourself playing the game. Um, I mean, he was thrown in the middle of a series and had never even played in the first half, especially a game that was far from over because it was 21 to 10. Uh, so he was going to be – that was going to be kind of a difficult deal for him. He hit a throw, and then I thought he did a nice job. And I thought the drop by Major Tennyson – and by the way, I'm just going to say this on his podcast – uh, I don't mind saying it. The only pe- person that thinks Major Tennyson is worth a shit is his mom. Okay? The kid is awful. He's not a good blocker. I've never thought he was that good a receiver. And he just he dropped a very catchable football. And then, as you talked about, Matt got blitzed, didn't see it, and took a big hit. And I thought that rattled him for the rest of the half. And I thought the coaching staff, though, did a really good job in the locker room once they realized Tua wasn't coming back. I think everybody thought – nobody knew the severity of Tua's injury. Uh, everyone was figuring he would come back out. And when he didn't, I thought that drive that they had to take that 28-13 lead – I know they were fortunate with the roughing call, but I thought Mack made a nice throw uh, to, uh, of course, uh, Devontae Smith, who was back after the suspension. And then they ran the ball really well, as you pointed out. And I really liked them using Slade Bolden inside the 10. And I'm thinking – for Bolden uh, this weekend against Arkansas just to make LSU continue to prepare for that. Yeah, no, and I don't want, you know, I'm not I'm not disappointed in what I saw out of Mac Jones. Um, I was just Yeah, I wasn't either, honestly. I, saw. I thought it was okay. There, there's a big, big difference in coming off the bench cold, um, playing that position, um, than, than the rest of the positions on an offense. Um, I, I never had a problem with it as an offensive lineman. I mean, it's, 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 it, hell, in fact, I probably played some of my best football as a redshirt freshman doing just that. But there's a big, big difference in being the quarterback. You know, the, the second team quarterback only gets five to seven reps with the first team offense, um, in practice during the week because odds are, you know, unless it's a blowout, he's not going to play with the first team offense. So, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't know why so many people are up in arms about it myself. I, I personally think that Mac Jones has a lot of upside. I think he has a good understanding of the offense. Um, you know, he just, you know, got out there and, and, you know, at times didn't see stuff. And, you know, you don't see stuff at, at a lot of different positions, um, you know, until you see it over and over again. And there's a big difference in seeing it at, you know, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night when, you know, everybody's going batshit crazy over an LED light show, um, you know, versus how it happens in practice. The speed's different. The look's different. 
And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a vastly different quarterback Saturday versus Arkansas. I do, too. I'm excited to see him, actually. Uh, but my thoughts on Tua was I, we were all shocked up in the press box when he threw the interception that turned the game around because, personally, I thought Alabama was about to run the football, which they should have, and they were going to steamroll Tennessee and get up 14 to nothing. Uh, and it was going to be a kind of uh, off to the races from there. When he threw the pick, it changed the entire game. You know, great return by Nigel Warrior. They punched it in to tie it at seven. And then I thought from that point forward, for the first time all year, too, it was kind of pressing. And on that sack he took, that was another one that could have been a throwaway. He got outside the pocket and then uh, took the took that hit. Unfortunately, he's uh, kind of like Brody Croyle with his lower half. He's got to learn, and I'm hoping maybe this is uh, the, the, the impetus that will help him, he needs to learn you have to throw balls away and you have to give up on a play and you got to make business decisions because he's too important to the football team. But I honestly thought he was pressing a little bit. Uh, and uh, what were your thoughts on what we saw out of Tua before he left via injury? Yeah, and, and you know, and I, 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 I don't disagree with anything that you said. And, and you know, you, you want to sit here as a fan and, and – you know, try and put yourself into his place. But, you know, look, in the back of his mind, um, he's, he's human. Um, you know, he, he knows where he – he knew where he was at going into that game um, in the Heisman Trophy race. Um, he knew where he was going into that game as far as his draft status. And, and those are all things that, you know, play into his performance. And, you know, um, you know for, for – you know, if you look at how many times he's gotten away, um, you know, with, with pulling the hat trick, um, you know, in his mind, he thinks he can make every play and make every throw. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, the coaching staff has, has got to work on him, um, you know, when they get to the off week. Hopefully he'll be able to, you know, get some, get some practice time by then. And, uh, you know, just work on that with him, rep him on it. You know, when, when it's not there and this is what you see, um, you know, th- throw it over, throw it in the stands, throw it in the dirt. Um, you know, that's something that he's got to get better at. You know, and I think the same, I, you know, I think at times he uh, probably gets lulled to sleep a little bit and, and doesn't realize the speed that some of these safeties and linebackers and edge rushers actually still have. At this level, he probably thinks he can, you know, outrun them or, you know, shake them down a little bit. You know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I, I, you know, I don't have, you know, as big of a problem as, as, as him taking a sack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, 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 you know, it, it kills the drive. Sometimes it might take you out of field goal range. But, you know, man, when you, when you commit an interception like he did, that's a momentum changer possibly – you know, like I said, if Tennessee had a competent quarterback, that, that could have been a game changer, um, you know, against a team that probably at the time wasn't believing that they were good enough to be on the same field with Alabama, but they believed it after that play. And, um, you know, it's just something that they've got to work on. You know, everybody, it doesn't matter how good you are, whatever it is that you do, everybody's got room to get better at something. And, uh, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian's one of the best quarterback coaches in, in, in the college game. And, um, you know, the jobs that he's gotten at the next level are probably more of an indicator of that than, than uh, you know, his head coaching abilities for sure. So, you know, it's just something that they all need to work on and get better at. And, you know, they, they obviously he's not going to get a chance to do that this weekend. But hopefully his rehab will be along, 
you know, to the point that he can, you know, work on some things, um, you know, next week during the off week. And I know you and I followed this program as closely as anyone. I was in Bryant Denny Stadium in two thousand. Excuse me. Let me let me let me backtrack. I was in uh, Neyland Stadium for the first time uh, in two thousand and fourteen when Alabama whitewashed the balls with Amari Cooper in his final season uh, at the Capstone as a junior, and he put it on a show. Set, set an all-time record that has now since been broken by Devontae Smith. Um, but we, Cam Robinson was a freshman All-American that year, and he went down in the second half of that game. And I'll never forget that they had to carry him off the field. He could put no weight uh, on his uh, leg. And I, ne- and I had never heard of this injury now that has become so commonplace uh, in football, and especially at Alabama, the high ankle sprain. And when I heard that he had torn ligaments, the first thought was, well, if he comes back, it'll be in the postseason. And then they, you started hearing the, the rumors about this surgery that they're doing now. Uh, this, and, and, I, I know, and then I heard, okay, well, he's going to be out uh, you know, a, a few weeks, an undetermined period of time. And I thought, well, at least a month, that would be Mississippi State. As you know, he started against LSU two weeks later, six foot five, 300 plus pounds and played you know, every snap at left tackle and played the rest of the season. Now, we know Tua came back from this injury last year, and, I mean, I don't really get into the severity. You hear people say, well, it was worse than the, than the against Georgia, and then you'll hear people say it wasn't as bad. They're all severe. So your thoughts on Tua being able in three weeks to come back against LSU and, and how effective do you think he can be? Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, it's, it's – uh you know, a little bit different animal for, for an offensive lineman um, to, to be able to play and play at a high level with this thing versus a skilled player, which I, you know, consider a quarterback. Um, you know, I, I've never played quarterback, so I don't know how this injury affects his drops. I don't you know, know how it affects him being able to push off. Um, certainly it's going to limit his escapability. Um, but, you know, if, if you're as gifted as Cam Robinson was at, at left tackle and, you know, you, you understand the angles, you understand the drops, the pass sets, you, you can play a lot quicker with this type of injury, in my opinion, than, say, a quarterback. Um, you know, you're, you're just not asked to do and, 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 and make a lot of the, yeah, you change directions, but it's in a small box, it's short, choppy steps. Um, you know, if, if – uh, if Tua's more than 90%, um, you know, against LSU, I'll be surprised. I'm not saying he's not going to play. I'm, I'm pretty convinced they're going to play him. I mean, God, they trotted a punter out there with a torn hip flexor. Um, he's going to play. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what his mobility's like, um, you know, how it affects, you know, the things that he's good at doing. And let's be honest, being able to buy time, being able to extend plays is a big part of his game. So we'll just have to wait and see um, how, how limited he is at those things. You know, because, look, the, the LSU people, their defenders um, are going to be told to dive at that ankle. Um, you know, don't, don't make it obvious, but they're going to dive at it. They're going to hook at it with their arm. They're going to do everything they can to make him re-aggravate it. Yeah, I'm sure. Certainly, it'll be anything goes. Uh, But I will say, if if he is 90% or better, uh, I think that's a victory for Alabama from the standpoint I would trust him to play uh, and get rid of the football. 
and certainly he'll take some hits, but hopefully the offensive line is going to be able to protect him. And I and I personally think if he is uh, healthy enough that they will beat LSU. Uh, I don't like this LSU defense. I, but I'm, I'll be honest with you, William. I know you're only going to be with us a few more minutes, but before you go, uh, the last couple of things I wanted you to hit on, you kind of did uh, before we started this podcast. Give us your thoughts uh, on LSU against Auburn because I think this is going to be really interesting because – uh, LSU had a lot of success against Florida, but Florida's two best pass rushers, Zaniga uh, and Grenard, were banged up. How do you see this Auburn-LSU uh, game? You know, I'm still on the fence, unlike a lot of people. I haven't given Joe Burrow the Heisman Trophy yet. Um, I haven't given LSU mm-hmm. the national championship yet. Um, I, you know, here, here's the problem as I see it as far as Auburn's defense. Um, I think they've probably got one of the best um, starting four and, and the depth guys behind them in college football as far as the D-line goes. I mean, Marlon Davidson uh, can change a game real quickly. You see him back there harassing the quarterback. He's real good at slapping the ball out of their hands, even if he's not in a position to sack them. Um, you know, that's where Auburn's going to have to win this game. I don't think Auburn's secondary – can hold up for four quarters against those LSU wide receivers, especially if Burrow's allowed to sit back, there, sit back there with and not be rattled or flushed out of the pocket. Um, that's where Auburn's defense is going to have to set the tone and, and you know, try and slow that LSU offense down. It's going to come from their defensive line. Um, if they can put pressure on Burrow, I mean, look, this is the same um, – you know, LSU team, talking about the overall team, I mean, they gave up 30-plus to a horrible Vanderbilt team. Good point. Um, you know, they, they they gave up, you know, what, 28 or 30 points to uh, Florida's third-team quarterback. Um, you know, and I think that game, like you talked about, you know, Florida's defense doesn't have some injuries and, you know, Dan Mullen doesn't make his, you know, annual every Saturday bonehead decisions a couple times. I think that game's got a – a much different outcome to it. But, you know, I, I'm i not sold on this LSU defense, but at the same time I'm not sold on Auburn's offense. You know, we're going to have to see in the first half, you know, if, if – uh, you know, this isn't the LSU defensive front seven of, of ten years ago. Um, you're looking at a byproduct of, of a lot of misses, um, you know, in, in the recruiting area um, in their front seven. I think it's starting to show up. You know, if Auburn can run the football on LSU, you're going to have a ball game. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of want to see, um, you know, how LSU's defense holds up to Auburn's running attack and also if, if LSU's offensive line can, you know, pass pro, um, you know, Auburn's front. Um, you know, they're, they've kind of turned into a, you know, a hurry-up spread offense and uh, – you know, they're going to have to substitute to keep those guys fresh. <clears throat> but, um, I, you know, I, I still – and I don't know if Auburn's a complete enough team. Um, you know, they're certainly not going to be able to get into a shootout with LSU if that's what it turns into. If LSU's able to score, you know, seven points every every third drive, then it's, it's going to get out of hand quickly. But, you know, I, I still think this thing's got a chance to be a ball game. I really do. And then finally, uh, you kind of uh, alluded to it, uh, but 
What is your thoughts on the Alabama and Arkansas? Arkansas, to me, is just a, not a very good football team. Uh, they have certainly had some near misses against Texas A&M, uh, and they played, they, they played uh, them very, very tough. Uh, but I, they, they, they lost to San Jose State at home. They did not look uh, very good uh, at all this past week at home against Auburn. It was a half-empty stadium. I personally am agreed with you. I think Mac Jones is going to play and play well. They have a lot of good weapons around him for him to use. He's gotten a whole week of, of uh, practice reps. But your thoughts on the matchup with the Hawks? I still have Alabama covering. I know they're a 30-point favorite. I've got 45-10. to 10, But what's your thoughts on the matchup uh, at home in Bryant-Denny on Saturday night? You know, as long as Mac Jones doesn't throw a pick six, if, if that putrid Arkansas offense puts up double digits on this defense, I may go throw a damn brick through Pete Golding's window by myself. <laughs> um, I mean, they're they're absolutely terrible on offense. <laughs> um, you know, I, that, I, I watched them a little bit versus Texas A&M earlier in the year. Right. Um, but I, I watched – I pretty much watched – 90% of that Auburn-Arkansas game Saturday, and they're just terrible. Um, you know, especially, I think, at the point they're at in their season with the way it's gone, if Alabama gets up, you know, 17 to 20 points in the first half, I think they'll lay down and quit. But um, it's not a good matchup for Arkansas at all. Um, you know, I think Alabama should have a lot of success running the football against them. Um, I think they have a chance to make things real easy and, and pleasant for Mac Jones' first collegiate start. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think Alabama can probably score in the 40-point range, but I'll be shocked if Arkansas gets more than, you know, seven, seven or nine points. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, in uh, another point, too, they, 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 were, they played Kentucky competitively, but this is Kentucky with – uh, Lynn Bowden at uh, quarterback that uh, couldn't even uh, that only threw 11 passes. I mean, this was just not uh, you know not a very good football team. And, uh, you know they they should have been able to beat Kentucky if you can barely throw the football, and they couldn't because they're just not very good. And I, I agree. I, this is an this is a game Alabama should win if they don't play well defensively. I've I've been on the fence with Pete Golding too. I thought they did some good things on Saturday. But they've still got to get better fundamentally, and they, you know, they, 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 they got some interference penalties that was unnecessary. Sertain didn't have a great game. They need to clean up uh, their the mistakes and the penalties going into this game with LSU. Because make no mistake, I agree LSU's defense is not what it has been, but their offense is pretty dynamic, and it's going to take their best effort uh, to beat the Bayou Bengals uh, in Tuscaloosa in two weeks. Well, and that's one reason why I've got the, you know, what I described about, you know, Auburn matching up with LSU this weekend. You know, I think the opposite about Alabama matching up with them. Um, you know, unless somebody else, you know, falls out of the sky besides Terrell Lewis, Alabama's got the opposite problem. Um, they, they need to figure out a way to generate a pass rush to rattle Burrow. But I do think Alabama's corners and safeties um, can match up really, really well with those wide receivers. I mean, Diggs and, and Sertain um, are really good in one-on-one -on -one deep coverage um, when they don't get lost. And, you know, I think the two safeties um, are, are pretty damn good at it as well. So, you know, to me, the key to that Alabama defense when they match up against this offense is the opposite of Auburn's issues. They've got the back end 
um, to, to keep pace with them. They just need to figure out a way to put pressure on Burrow. No doubt. Well, William, I know you got to get, uh, you know, uh, gone. And, uh, thank you for the time tonight. Thomas and I will finish up this episode of BAMS Radio, but we appreciate the thoughts. Uh, and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Roll Tide, my friend. Thank you, guys. And that's William Redfish Barger. Uh, he uh, just gave us his thoughts. I'm going to let Thomas come on into the conversation with me now. Thomas, uh, you heard what William had to say. I've kind of given my thoughts. Uh, but, but but right now, I, I know you're an analytics and numbers guy, but this just looks like even, even with Mac Jones at quarterback, and I, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but Mac Jones has never started a game at Alabama. Is, am I wrong for thinking Alabama should still win this game by five touchdowns? I don't think you're wrong, Drew. Honestly, when I look at the transition from Tuatonga Vailoa to Mac Jones, I expect Steve Sarkeesian to go much more back to his roots and a very West Coast game plan. A lot of running the ball, good bit of ball control, a lot of get the ball out of his hands quick and let wide receivers eat up yards after the catch. I'm... I wouldn't be shocked if Mac Jones doesn't have a pass over, you know, 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage in this game. But Alabama should win handily. And you're talking about an Arkansas Razorback team that, with the notable exception of pushing Texas A&M in a series that you can only describe as just weird, like throw out the numbers and throw out what the records are. This is an Arkansas team that has struggled to put away bad group of five teams, just got absolutely annihilated by an Auburn team that, in a lot of ways, is still trying to find itself. You know, Gus Malzahn's offense is predicated. It, it's really a window dressing, power rushing offense. That's what it is. The motions conceal multiple options, but they're all different kinds of runs. And where Auburn has made hay in the past is being able to really pound the edges. So, you know, Arkansas struggled with that. So anything kind of off tackly, you know, one cut runners like a Najee Harris is great at this sort of thing. will have success against this Razorback defense. I'm I'm not sure that Alabama is going to get into the 45, 50 point range because I think Alabama's offense is not going to be as quick strike. I mean, yes, Henry Ruggs could still take a sl- a slant for 70 yards, but I expect a little bit more controlled action. So, But if we come back and it's like 42-7, 42-10, something like that, that would be where I'd put it. But that also comes down to, you know, let's go in midway through the third quarter and Alabama's up 31-7. Do we then get a quarter and a half of Talia Tonga-Vailoa or not? So that that's how Nick Saban chooses to start deploying his backups is an interesting thing. And it really is uncharted territory because in the past – You've had the for sure start. You either had a quarterback competition where they're kind of splitting, uh, splitting reps, uh, much like Blake Burnett, Jalen Hurts, or AJ McCarron, Philip Sims. But later on in the season, it's been starting quarterback playing with starting offense. Now we have a backup quarterback. So does everybody just kind of move up a chair, or what happens with all of that? But by and large, Arkansas is a really bad football team. Chad Morris. He just, I, I don't, he, he made his hay as the Clemson offensive coordinator. And since he's left Clemson, he has done functionally nothing. Uh, he's, he's, he comes from the Lane, Skiffin, Lane, the Lane Kiffin school of falling up. And 
that that just isn't uh, that isn't conducive to running an SEC program. So I, you know, does Chad Morris get fired this end of this season? Uh, that's a potential. But this Arkansas football team is 15 kinds of bad. So I mean, they're they're probably the worst team in the SEC, given Vanderbilt's recent win over Missouri. Honestly, they might be the worst team in the ACC, and that's about as bad uh, an epithet as you can throw at a Power 5 team right now, Drew. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, they they are truly going to win and win handily. Uh, they need to stay focused because, of course, LSU will be coming off the bye. Uh, and, but certainly, it's, a, it's an opportunity for Mac Jones to showcase his talent because we all believe Tua is going to come back healthy and then move on to the NFL. So he will be in the middle of the next quarterback battle. So we will get a good idea about Mac. And uh, I'm anxious to see how he performs inside Brian Denny Stadium at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, no doubt about it. Uh, but yeah. And then, uh, Thomas, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on, much like William, he's not – I am I still think LSU is going to cover against Auburn. I picked 38-23 only because – I just I don't trust Auburn's offense to be able to score with LSU. I certainly think they're going to move the ball because this is not a great LSU defense. Uh, but they've got a freshman quarterback. Joe Burrow's been so good. Auburn has a really good front seven, but I completely agree with William. They're, they're secondary, and you watch that game against Florida. Auburn's secondary can be had. I think that's the weakness of this defense. Uh, but your thoughts on the matchup with uh, Auburn and uh, LSU? Well, one of the little factoids, LSU or Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since 1999, and I don't see them winning this game. I think one of the issues that I actually am looking forward to in this game is that if you watch how the LSU Tigers play the Florida Gators and then the Mississippi State Bulldogs, you got to see the blueprint for potentially beating LSU. You know, play kind of ball controlly. You know, grind it out, limit the number of possessions for the LSU offense. Now, against Florida, LSU scored 42 points. Against Mississippi State, at least for the first, you know, quarter and change, to Mississippi State's credit, they slowed them down slightly. But I expect Auburn to find some success on offense. And the weird thing about Gus Malzahn's system is that if it works— it really works. But if it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. And there's not a lot of in-between with his, with his smoke and mirrors gimmicky ridiculousness. And for me, the key component for the Auburn offense, and something for fans to watch as this game gets going, is LSU safety Grant Delpit. Uh, LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda has really started deploying Delpit as either a third or a fourth linebacker, almost like a Derwin James, or Alabama fans will be very familiar with this, or a Minka Fitzpatrick. And one of the things that lets him do is get involved in a lot of plays, particularly along the edges of an offense, or the edges of a defense, depending on where you're looking at it. If Delpit doesn't make those tackles on the speed sweeps or the power-off tackles, Auburn's going to have success. But honestly... I think one of the things with Auburn is their pressure rates for how good their defense is are not very high. So I think LSU is going to win this game pretty handily. 
Uh, the one mitigating factor is this will be LSU's third SEC game in a row. Now, obviously, it is at home, as I've said. And the first one was against a top-10 Florida team. And you saw some slowdown early against Mississippi State. Is there some degradation with another you know, fringe top-15 team in a row? I think that could be keep the game closer early. But the thing is, unless Auburn demonstrates a certain ability to pressure a quarterback that I feel like they haven't done a good job of this year, and I looked at some of the numbers and was surprised by it, I think LSU is just going to run away with it. They're too balanced. Auburn will keep it close for a little while, but LSU will hit the afterburners and we'll roll into two weeks of hype for the LSU-Alabama game, Drew. And, you know, I, I agree. I think they're definitely going to be able to finish this thing off. Uh, I, I just like LSU in the game. I think Auburn does have too many deficiencies. It could be a close game. William was leaning that way, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but I will say, too, I'm going to try to have uh, uh, coverage of uh, next week and a report on BAMS radio from uh, the scrimmages, uh, or I should say exhibition games. Uh, for the University of Alabama men's and women's uh, basketball programs. I'll, I'm mainly going to concentrate uh, on the uh, men's game, but of course, certainly uh, it, it probably will be able to catch the women as well and give you a report on that and uh, come back after the game, uh, uh, after those after that doubleheader on Sunday. Of course, I will be in Bryant-Denny Stadium covering Alabama and Arkansas, uh, so looking forward to that and seeing Mac Jones in his first start. Personally, I think he's going to play very well. Uh, and going to uh, help Alabama get to 8-0 and, as you said, Thomas, get to this bye for LSU and try to heal up. Uh, and, and, and really what I'm anxious to see, and we'll, and we'll talk about it more on BAMS when we preview that game uh, coming up on BAMS radio is uh, next week, is I, I want to see what new wrinkles both Alabama and LSU have, have uh, you know, kind of saved for each other. I do think that Slade Bolden will be a part of the game plan against Arkansas on Saturday, uh, and that he—I really enjoyed the way he was, uh, you know, used once Tua went down against Tennessee, and he may have been used anyway. They've used him throughout the season, but I think that's something that makes uh, LSU prepare for, uh, you know, him. And I—I I like that aspect of Steve Sarkeesian uh, using Slade Bolden. I've liked it all year. Well, it's a wrinkle, and you know, what's the thing that college football? has to deal with they have to deal with the 20 hour a week you know coaching window thingy and it's just one more thing to develop a key system to teach your players and it it, it can turn into information overload it's an interesting little wrinkle it's an intro i don't want to call it a gimmick that's not really fair but it is a different set of plays you know what what kind of stuff haven't we seen you know because slade bolden's got enough athleticism to run a triple option kind of attack uh, or what we would think of, you know, go back and look at what John Reese Plumley did for the Ole Miss Rebels, which was essentially an updated version of the wing tee with an occasional shot play. Slade Bolden could do stuff like that, and that's just one more thing. And honestly, that sort of thing, depending on how it works against the Auburn Ti- with the Auburn Tigers, LSU Tigers, that could be something that could factor into the game plan. Honestly, don't really know, Drew, because... I feel like Alabama much, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo what Williams says, you know, show me more organic pass rush with, with somebody not named Terrell Lewis. Now, Terrell Lewis has had a great past couple of games, and he'll need that against the LSU Tigers. But I actually wanted to go on a brief rant before we ended because I've seen this a lot, 
and it absolutely drives me insane. And I'm going to rant a little bit about fans that get bent out of shape and demand more snaps for Christian Barmore. And I'm going to tell you why that is not a great idea all the time. So what Christian Barmore has shown is an exceptional ability to one-gap penetrate. And that's awesome if all you need to do is rush the passer. Or you're running a 4-3, you're running some kind of four-down lineman defense. Alabama generally goes out of base 3-4 or nickel package, where you can kind of do some craziness with the defensive lineman. But the defensive tackles and defensive ends, or the nose tackle, depending on how you align it, are two-gapping in the Alabama defensive scheme which means you have a gap to the left and you have a gap to the right and you're supposed to stay you're supposed to maintain leverage to get in both of them if necessary. What Barmore does very often is guess. You know, maybe he's got the instincts to be awesome, but in many cases he guesses. And when you guess right and do something like that, you look like a golden god. When you <laughs> guess wrong and you go the wrong gap, you have a 40-yard run the other way. So, yeah. So, you know, you look at player, like, I see fans clamoring for more Barmore, and I'm like, yes, if LSU or Arkansas or Auburn or Mississippi State or, you know, the, the, the New England Patriots let you substitute on third and eight plus, give me Christian Barmore one gap penetrating to rush the passer. Give me that every day of the week. First and 10 with Christian Barmore guessing on the gaps? Nah, nah. I'll give me LeBron Ray if he's back healthy or Raekwon Davis or DJ Dale because those guys, even though they might not make the plays that explode off your screen, they're generally in a decent position to make a play and not expose the true freshman linebackers that because the game hasn't slowed down enough for them yet, which is understandable, are already exposed in ways that the Alabama defense has not had to deal with, with the notable exception of the second half of the Ohio State-Alabama Sugar Bowl, where I don't think Reggie Ragland's recovered from that uh, that concussion yet. But speaking of Reggie Ragland, shout-out to Reggie Ragland. had a scoop and score against the Denver Broncos this past Thursday. Yeah, he did. And uh, that was a, a great moment for him as they got a big win, even though uh, you know, they've, they've been without their quarterback now, Pat Mahomes. We'll see if he can get back. I know I heard he was going to practice this week, uh, but he had the dislocated, uh, of course, kneecap that they put back in place. Hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. And hopefully Tua Tungvaluwa will be back for LSU. I, I strongly believe he's going to be. Uh, Michael Casagrande of AL.com reported seeing him uh, outside the football building already in a walking boot. So I've heard the swelling was already down. So I think the surgery went really well. I truly believe you can come back from this and be not 100%, of course, but close uh, and still be really effective, hopefully to rain on LSU's parade yet again. They may be able to continue to buy tight ends and try to turn up the heat and back up the Brinks trucks. Uh, in recruiting, but I got news for you. They still haven't beat Alabama since 2011, and they're gonna get that ass kicked in another two weeks again. And with, they can just uh, they can go uh, and cry in their beer uh, one more time because it's gonna be nine in a row, in my opinion. If Tua Tungavaloa is behind center, they can just go and uh, go to a Big Six bowl once again and watch the college playoff on television. But we'll see if they can get past Auburn at home first, which they should. But uh, we'll see if. Uh, uh, they can avoid falling on their faces uh, on Saturday. But, uh, Thomas, I appreciate you for uh, putting this show together. 
and doing a great job once again for William Redfish Barger, who was on with us for the first 45 minutes or so. We hope you enjoyed this edition of uh, BAMS Radio. We all think Alabama is still going to win and win impressively against the, uh, against the Arkansas Razorbacks at homecoming on Saturday night inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Then it will be on to LSU, probably game of the century, too, if the Bayou Bengals can hold serve against Auburn. Uh, but we certainly expect uh, both these teams were leaning toward both being undefeated, even though I know William likes a closer game and thinks Auburn is going to have a shot in it. But I think we both believe in everyone, all three of us, I should say, that this is going to be another battle of unbeatens and be a fascinating game. And we'll talk about that more next week on uh, BAMS Radio. But for Thomas Watts, the Wizard, and for William Redfish Barger, I'm Drudy Armand. We hope you enjoyed this edition of BAMS Radio. We'll have some basketball talk and football uh, during Alabama's second bye week next week on BAMS Radio. Good night and roll tide.